You know, it's good that we spend, um, we've spent some time this morning praying. Uh, the, the message today is about prayer. And I, I love what we're going to see because Jesus is a visionary when it comes to prayer. Uh, he, he teaches prayer in such a way, he, he casts a vision for us to see what could be if we pray. And, and I love that because, I, I don't know, I think, I, 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 at least for me, I, am, I love being around visionary people. I love listening to them. Uh, share a compelling message or a compelling vision of, of what the future could be. Uh, I mean, think of some of the just our contemporary examples, guys like uh, Steve Jobs and the way that he would cast a vision that someday you were going to have a computer in your pocket. I mean, if you think of the old pictures of the computers, right, where you'd need like a whole tractor trailer to bring in these old IBM computers, like the idea that you would ever have a home computer, let alone a computer in your pocket. I mean, no one ever thought, that, but, but the ability to think of things like uh, he was able to think of, or, or if you've ever been to Disney World, uh, they'll tell the story of Walt Disney, and, and Disney World was built on a swamp. I mean, it was just swampland, and how someone could see swampland and envision this kind of magical place that he could create, uh, if you've ever been there, it's, it, it's so fun, and it's so fantastic to think, wow, these visionary people, the way that they can think that. And this is why I love uh, thinking about the way that Jesus uh, talks about prayer. See, when Jesus burst onto the scene, uh, he began to cast a vision of a kingdom that was breaking forth in the world. He, he, we see, as we've been going through this book of Mark, uh, the, the study of Jesus' life, that he comes in announcing a kingdom is breaking through. Nothing's going to stop it. And he begins to teach in such a way that people begin to get a vision of life, that he doesn't teach the commandments just as things that we're supposed to do, but there's a way of living out the commandments of God that really bring life uh, to a place of fullness, that there's actually this way in which we can love God and love our neighbor, and it makes sense. And, we, and, and people would listen to Jesus, and, and they were saying, they kept saying these, this idea, he teaches like one with authority. There's just something different about the way he teaches compared to all our other teachers. And he was talking about this power of God that could be released in our lives. And he would demonstrate this power through his miracles and the different things he was doing. And the people were so uh, entranced by the the things he was saying and and the world that could be and the life that could be that it says that the people, the crowds were were crushing in on him. Uh, We've seen that even in times as we've been going through the study that there were times where Jesus had to, I mean, he had to press out on a, sit in a boat out on on the water just because the the crowds were all there. They were trying to take everything who he was in. They wanted to hear a vision of what life could be. And what I love is when uh, every time Jesus talks about prayer, he does it a lot different than your hometown preacher, right? Because your hometown preacher guilts you into prayer, right? You know, like you feel like you need to pray, and I'll do that in about 25 minutes, so just hold on. But, but Jesus would teach differently about prayer. He would, he would give us a vision. He'd give his disciples a vision of prayer. He would, he would help them see there's something so great about prayer that if you would only enter into it, you would unlock something about life that you were always supposed to experience, that there's a way to encounter God and experience God through prayer. And so the disciples would always ask him to, to teach him and, and to help him. And he would show that prayer was truly this gift to draw near to God, to share our hearts to God, to make our requests known to God, and that he was helping us see that God was listening. And one of the things that you see, the more you watch, is that as people are walking with Jesus and listening to Jesus and learning from Jesus, his vision of prayer 
that ultimately prayer begins to get easier as we begin to watch these, these disciples after the resurrection become leaders. And, and as they begin to teach and as they begin to write, you see that they, they, they've begun to understand as they walk with Jesus, prayer becomes easier. And so here's our big idea today that we want you to see as we're going to look is that life with Jesus encourages a life of prayer. And we're encouraging you, uh, we've been going through a series as the year began, thinking about how to live life with God. You're meant to live life with God, not for him or from him, not over him or under him, that you are, are created. The story of creation, the story of salvation, the story ultimately of our, of our uh, redemption that's coming is a story of a God who wants to dwell among his people, who wants us to be with him, and he wants to be with us. And so Jesus has been calling us to follow him, to live life with him, and we're seeing this in many ways. And one of the things that he's going to do is, is he's inviting us to follow him, to live life with him, is he's inviting us to pray. And one of the things I've discovered, at least here, is that uh, the people here, our people, Beach Point people, uh, they, they struggle with two things when it comes to prayer. Number one, they struggle with confidence. I'm not sure... I'm not sure I know how this works. I'm not sure I know how to activate it. I don't know if I'm saying the right words. They're, they're not very confident when it comes to prayer. I'll give you just an illustration. If you're in a life group and it gets to the end of the life group and they say, okay, let's take some time. Let's pray for each other. Um, why don't a couple of you pray out, the leader says, and then I'll close. And then what happens? It's dead silent. And the leader waits. And why don't you pray? Because you're afraid you're going to say something wrong or do it wrong. We lack confidence. We lack competence. We, we, we think, um, I'm not sure how, how to do this correctly. And so the, the confidence and the competence, this is stuff that we struggle with. And Jesus is saying, let me try to tell you about prayer. Let me try to give you a vision of why prayer is such a wonderful gift that God has given us. And every time he teaches, he's drawing us into something quite great. And so I want to show you that. I want to show you another time he does this. It's found in Mark chapter 11. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 11, there's Bibles right in front of you. In fact, if you don't own a Bible or you've lost your Bible, grab this one. Take it home with you so you can keep reading about the story of Jesus. We want you to have a Bible. Page 1015 and uh, we've been going through a chapter every week. We're encouraging you in your bulletin. You might notice there are some passages you can read during the week. And then we're going to highlight one of those to preach and to do as part of our service. So we're in chapter 11. And, and, and let me help you understand, because this is a big moment. Because in chapter 11, we are entering, and from here to Easter, we're entering into the last week of Jesus' life. So for the next few weeks, uh, we're just in one week of his life. In fact, today we're going to go through three days of his life. And the, and the chapter begins with him coming into Jerusalem for the final time. They call it the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday. It was on this Sunday, uh, Jesus comes entering in, but he doesn't enter in on foot. He comes in on, on this donkey, actually uh, the, the, the colt of a donkey. And it's kind of fascinating because he doesn't come in as this conquering hero, maybe like the Romans on his giant white horse. He's not coming into conquest. And, and, and while others on the outside might look and think, this is silly, those on the inside know this is prophetic. The humility 
of the Messiah, the anointed one of God, God's, God's cho- chosen one to come and to bring salvation. In fact, the people, when they see this happening, they realize that prophecy is being fulfilled. And so they begin to throw their cloaks on the ground. They begin to throw palm branches on the ground. They're waving palm branches in the, in the sky. And they're, and they're shouting out this word, Hosanna. Okay? Sometimes we sing songs and we say Hosanna. It means, the word Hosanna means uh, uh, praise to the one who saves. And so they're praising God. Here comes, our, here comes the one who saves. And they're waving these branches. And Jesus comes in. He goes all the way in. He goes into the temple. He kind of takes notice of everything going on. And it says then that they came to the end. So he, he went back to where he was staying. He was staying in the town of Bethany outside of Jerusalem about 45 minutes. So Monday morning comes. And Jesus gets up and he's going with his disciples. And he comes and he sees in the distance a fig tree. And as he sees the fig tree, he walks towards it. He sees the leaves on it, but there's no fruit on it. And he says to the fig tree, he says, uh, may uh, no one ever eat fruit from you again. And people are, I'm sure the disciples are thinking, gosh, you know, hangry anyone? You know, I mean, it's like, grab some breakfast before or whatever. I don't know what they thought, but it says that the disciples remembered what he said. They took note of what he said, not really know what this was going to mean, but this is a significant day. We see a different side of Jesus this day. And I don't know how you envision Jesus. I, I, I suppose sometimes we probably have in mind kind of this um, weak, wispy, kind of lanky person who you just kind of push over, right? Uh, he's kind of this like soft hippie guy with just like pithy sayings. Well, Jesus comes into the temple this time and he's not observing. See, there was a practice that was taking place. At, uh, uh, the high priest had been sent out, a man named uh, Annas, uh, years ago. He'd been cast out by the Roman governor, um, but he was still pulling the strings from afar. And so what he did is he set up this practice, and what would happen is people would come in from all over the world, and they would exchange, uh, they, they, they would come to uh, do the celebrations, the festivals, the feasts, and he made it a practice that you couldn't use any kind of form of money except that which was minted uh, there in Jerusalem. And so uh, they had money changers, like what you'd have at the airport, right? You do a currency exchange. And so people would bring their money from wherever place they had come from, and they'd have to exchange it. Well, they set it up so that you would exchange it for a profit. And they were taking advantage of people. And they were selling the animals that they would do for sacrifice, even the doves that were for the poorest of the poor, and they were, they were extorting and, and uh, taking advantage of people in such a way that when Jesus saw what was happening, it says that he comes in and he starts turning the tables over. And he starts uh, scaring the people out and, and, and uh, rushing the people out of there and telling them that my house will be a house of prayer. Now, I don't know if you, how you envision Jesus, but isn't it kind of interesting to think of Jesus in this way when he sees this kind of, of, of behavior going on, this frustrates him, infuriates him in such a way that can you imagine Jesus coming in and flipping a table over and grabbing uh, uh, things to make a whip and to chase these guys out and to say, enough of this nonsense. God's house is a house of prayer. And the day ends and they, they leave And then we get to our passage today. It's Tuesday, and it's the morning. And look at verse 20 with me. It says, In the morning as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed 
has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes uh, that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Verses 22 and 25 are what we're going to focus in on, just those four verses. Because in those four verses, we see four commands, four instructions about prayer. Uh, but, But I want you to see where it came from. What it comes from is they see the fig tree withered all the way. It's dead all the way. And Peter sees it and goes, okay, that doesn't just happen. And what he's asking is, how'd you do that? How do we do that? How do we activate this kind of power? How do we get this going? How do, how do we do something like this? This is what Peter's asking. And notice Jesus says there's four things. Trust, believe, ask, forgive. Trust, believe, ask, forgive. He begins by saying this, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Have faith in, your, in God. And, and so he begins with this idea of, of, of faith. Trust in who God is. Believe in his character. Believe in his purposes. Believe in who he is as you see him. His promises that he's good and that he's active. Uh, uh, think about when Jesus was teaching about prayer uh, to his disciples. There's one time where the disciples are saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. So Jesus actually gives them a prayer to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And he starts by these, these incredible words. Start with our Father. It's personal. But then notice the next thing he says is how to be your name. Okay, Your glory. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. See, here's, the, here's this kind of beginning premise in prayer, right? Have faith in God. Trust in God. His glory. His kingdom. His will This is what we want. This is our starting point. This is what we we want more than anything else, more than our own desires. This is our starting point. I trust God what you want is the best thing. Your glory, your kingdom, your will, that's what I want. And prayer begins in this place. John, who's one of the disciples, he, he later writes this. He says, look, this is the confidence we have when we approach God. That if we ask anything according to his will, that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Uh, I'm glad that today, uh, Paul, you got a chance to meet Paul here, uh, our our chairman of the board. Paul is a great chairman of the board. You guys have a great chairman. Uh, One of the reasons why Paul is such a great chairman, we have a board meeting tomorrow night, and Paul leads a great meeting. Uh, In fact, Paul and I are friends. We have lunch probably every other month. We talk about life and family and uh, all kinds of things. And we talk about the church. And we talk about how to lead the church. But one of the reasons why Paul is such a great leader is because Paul will tell me no. Or he'll say, Bill, I'm not sure we're ready for that yet. And, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's difficult. I, I think Paul listens. He cares. But sometimes Paul says, I don't think we should do that. See, part of this is what makes Paul great. Now, some of you may think, doesn't that disappoint you when Paul tells you no or Paul tells you not yet? Yeah. 
Of course it does. I want what I want. But I trust the answer because I trust Paul. And then the same principle is true. See, I bring God my request, but, but I trust the answer because I trust God. I have faith in God. And I've learned this. And so he says, he begins by saying, have faith in God. First he says trust, but second notice he says this, you got to believe. you got to believe. He says, look, I, truly I tell you, if anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes. What is he saying? you you, you got to believe that God has mountain-moving desires for you. you got to believe that God has mountain-moving power available to you. You've got to believe that God can do what God says he's going to do. And I think this is one of the key things that Jesus was trying to build in his disciples. Uh, the more we read about prayer and the more we see that Jesus teaches disciples, we realize he's got these 12, uh, these 12 guys and he's constantly trying to build uh, 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 them up as leaders. He's training them. And we see constantly he's trying to build in them belief, faith. I, I want you to believe in God. I want you to trust in God. I want you to believe that God can do what he says he does. And, and so I, I, you read of all these, these moments and I think of this one passage, it's so interesting. Uh, John, one of the disciples, says this. Uh, he, when he writes his account of Jesus' life, he says, look, in chapter 20, he says, if we tried to write down everything Jesus did, we couldn't do it. There's just so many things. So many things we didn't tell you. Someday we'll tell you, but there, as for now, there just isn't. Then in chapter 21, he says it again. He goes, man, Jesus did so many other things that I suppose if we were going to try to write it down, it would require all the books in all the world. And so you think of how many times they must have had conversations, how many times that we just don't even have the stories where Jesus was trying to build faith in them, trying to build belief in them. I, I was trying to imagine what it must have been like for him because uh, we see that he's trying to teach them. We see this in Luke 24, how he tried to teach the disciples to see the whole story of God in light of who he was. I was trying to imagine him trying to teach this idea of belief to think of, hey, guys, uh, remember Moses? leading the people out of slavery into the promised land. Okay, we call it the promised land because God promised it to them. And remember what Moses did? He sent 12 spies out. And do you remember, guys, what happened? Silence. Guys, don't you remember? Ten of those spies came back and said, it's true. It's everything God said it was. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's got all the goods. But the, 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 what we're going to be up against is too big for us. It's too hard. Guys, do you remember it only took 10 people who didn't believe? 10 people cost an entire generation the inheritance. 10 people were negative. 10 people lacked faith. 10 people turned an entire community against something God had promised them, the promised land. A whole generation missed out on it. So boys, who did get to go into the promised land? Andrew raises his hand. Uh, Joshua and Caleb, bingo. Why? They believed. Yes. Two guys believed. God honored their belief, and they got to go in. 
And you can imagine how many different times he was trying to help him see the story, believe in God, believe that he can do what he says he's going to do. Imagine him trying to teach the, the lesson of Jericho. So I don't remember if you remember Jericho. So now they have to fight this battle. It's a fortified city. And God says this to the army. You're going to march around it in silence. No siege, no battering ram, no arrows, no anything. You're going to march around it in silence every day for a week. And then the last time you're going to march around it seven times, blow horns, and then I'll do what I'm going to do. And they did it. It meets the craziest military strategy of all time. We're going to walk around something in silence. It's the silent circle, right? Uh, that's what's going to win this battle. But they did it. They believed God and they won. All the things to teach on this. Peter, remember when I was out on the water and you said, Lord, if that's you, call me out. What did you do? I got out of the boat. Why? Well, I thought I could do it. And what happened? I looked around. I saw the wind and the waves and I sunk. Right. And what did I tell you? You grabbed me and you said, Peter, why do you have such little faith? Yet, here's the, here's the amazing thing. All it took was a little faith. A little faith and Peter was walking on water. See, there's a story too. It's so helpful for us. There's a story in which Jesus, uh, 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 we saw this a few weeks ago as Justin was telling about the the transfiguration, chapter nine. He's up there. They see him in all his glory. Then they come down the mountain and there's a man. The rest of the disciples, only three of the disciples got to go up and see it. The other nine are trying to deal with a man whose son is struggling. He's having this demonic attack and the disciples can't do, they don't know what to do. They They can't deal with it. And the man turns to Jesus. He's completely exasperated. He's just frustrated. He's, he's exhausted from everything, watching all this with his son. And the man asks Jesus, if you, he asks him, Jesus, if, there's, if you can do anything, take pity on me. And Jesus says, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Now listen to the man. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe Help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus honors it. He honors the little bit of faith, the little bit of belief, the little bit of belief that's crowded by unbelief. And he honors that. In fact, afterwards, the disciples were asking the question, why couldn't we do it? And Matthew tells us this. You'll hear the very same phrase that we're reading today. Jesus said this, he replied, because you had so little faith. Now this is how little their faith is. He says, I tell you, if you would have had the faith as small as a mustard seed. Mustard seed is like a dot. It was the smallest seed. And he says, look, if you just had that much faith, you could have done this. He says, you could have said to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And we see, I, I think for all of us, this is where we struggle. I, I, I don't know how much is enough. It's not about our it's, it's faith. It's the object of our faith. It's having faith in God. It's having faith in what he can do. It's not some kind of power we muster up. But notice what he's saying. It's just the smallest little bit of just trusting me in this situation. Let me get you through this. What grace God gives us. Saying, I just need a little bit of faith. Just trust me in this. Trust me in this.
We trust, we believe. And third, we see, we ask, we ask. You have to ask. See, asking activates the prayer. One of my heroes in the church is a man named Jim Simpson. Uh, Some of you might know him. He literally came from uh, the Huntington Beach campus before we had a Huntington Beach campus. Back uh, when it was uh, down on Orange and Six, Jim kind of helped lead the Huntington campus to merge in with us. He's just a brilliant guy in his, his upper 80s. I brought him in to talk to our staff because I wanted them to learn how to pray from someone who prays. And Jim gave us this wisdom. He says, you won't know where to go. Go to prayer. You don't have to do everything on your own. I, I love this because my, my, my staff, I mean, they're activators. They love to get things done. They love to do it in their own strength. And Jim's wisdom is this. You can't always do it. You won't know what to do. So pray. Go to God in prayer. And this is what Jesus was doing. He was giving us a vision over and over again that you have a good father who knows how to give good gifts. So ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Jesus would say, look, you guys, you're, 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 as fathers, you're okay, but you do evil things. And you know how to give good gifts, don't you? How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those who ask? Ask. He kept calling us. Don't be afraid to ask. I don't know if you know, a, a, a few years ago, remember there was a, a lottery Powerball. I think it was like $1.2 billion. Now, I don't know who bought a ticket or not. Uh, but here was your chances of winning. It was one and 292 million. One in 292 million. In fact, you had, you had uh, better odds of being injured by a toilet. <laughs> According to Forbes magazine. Better odds of winning a gold medal. Better odds of, of uh, becoming president. Kimberly, better odds of dating Brad Pitt. That's how good. That's, that was your odds of winning that Powerball. But the person that had the worst odds of all was me. Why? So I didn't even buy a ticket. I had zero chance. And afterwards, I was like, maybe I, maybe I could have been that one. Right? Someone had to win it. But it got me thinking, how many, how many things do I miss out on because I never ask God? How many blessings do I miss out on because I never ask God? How many gifts do I leave wrapped under the tree because I just won't go and open them. How many things do I miss out on because I just never ask God? I love when Jesus was trying to help them understand prayer. He said, he said this, look, you don't have to pray like the pagans do. They just go on and on and on and on and on with their words. Why? Because they're trying to get the attention of their gods. And he says, it's not like that. God actually knows what's going on with you beforehand. And his point isn't then don't pray. His point was, do you know you don't have to work to get God's attention? He's paying attention. You don't have to, you're not leaving a message with an angel and and maybe God will get back to you when he's less busy. He's watching. He cares. He wants to be involved. And he kept trying to draw them in to pray, to pray, to pray. Isaiah 65 says this, that before they call, I will answer. While they're still speaking, I will hear. And the point is this, you do not have to manipulate God. He cares. He's listening. He's watching. And this is why as the church begins, 
The, the, the leaders of the church keep telling the young church to pray, to ask God. The Philippian church was told, don't be anxious about things. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. James writes, you do not have because you do not ask God. And then the times you do ask, sometimes, you know, your motives aren't very good, right? You just want to kind of splurge on yourself. Jesus says, look, if you'll, if you'll stay with me, if you'll abide in me, if you'll remain in me and my words in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why? See, when we learn to live life with Jesus, we learn to ask for the things that he wants for our lives. This is why we walk with him. This is why we live with him. So that we know, we know the things that he wants from us. Probably my, my uh, go-to prayer is this one. Sometimes I just don't know what to pray. I just don't know what to ask God. And I'm reminded of a prayer of a king. And the king, uh, uh, Jehoshaphat, uh, uh, he found out that Judah was surrounded by their enemy. They had no time to get any help. Certain doom. And so his prayer was this. And I, I, I offer this prayer to you. His prayer was simply this. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we don't know what to do. We're surrounded. We don't have the strength. We don't have the might. We don't have the ability, but our eyes are on you. And if you want to read a crazy story, read the rest of that story, because what God did to protect them and deliver them will blow your mind. It makes no sense, but God answered that prayer. And so can I ask you for, I need, I, need a, I, need, I need you to join me in asking for something. It's a mountain-moving prayer, and it's going to seem a little ridiculous. I need you to join me in asking God to get Southern California Edison to our campus. Okay, so we're about done. We're going to finish doing finishing touches. We're going to do some paint and some stuff. In the next couple of weeks, it's going to be done, except for one thing. We will not have any power. So because of all the fires and things like that, SCE is behind. And they told us they don't know if they can get out till maybe Memorial Day. But what people have told us is you never know. They might just call you and show up the next day. Would you join us as a church and ask God? I know, God, this sounds like a dumb miracle, but it would be awesome. We have a missions conference. We have missionaries that are coming from all over around who are, gonna, are willing to go to the ends of the earth, the hardest places in the world that are, is supposed to happen. We have weddings, a wedding that's coming quickly that people are kind of counting on. Uh, would you pray with us? Would you ask God with us? Trust, believe, ask, and he ends with forgive. Forgive. Look, if there's anything, Forgive. This is so core of what it means to be a Christian. It's core of the Christian life is that we have been forgiven. Just as we have been forgiven, we forgive. If there's anything that we're dealing with, if we're holding anything against anyone, he says to let it go. It literally means to throw it away, to hurl it away. Let it go, forgive them. In fact, one passage, Jesus says this, if you're coming to worship and offer your gift and you know you've got something going on with someone else, drop your gift, leave it there. We'll get to it later. Go make it right with that person. This is a huge part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We see this, uh, these words, Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgive just as you've been forgiven. Don't let anything stand in the way of your prayer. No sin, no, no disruption, no, no, no bad 
uh, relationship things, deal with it. Forgive. Trust. Believe. Ask. Forgive. And so in the days leading up to Easter, I want to encourage us, let's pray together. Uh, Would prayer make a difference in your marriage? In your family? In your friendships? Right? We, we talk, we pray probably for each other, but we don't always pray together, do we? Why? Because it seems awkward. We're going to, we don't know, right? Confidence, competence. So spouses, look at each other. Tonight, you're going to pray together out loud, and it's going to be awkward. And you're going to think, I don't know what to say. It's okay. You're just talking to God with each other, the person you love the most. Parents, kids, look at each other. Tonight, before the day ends, pray with each other. Pray for each other. Go to God. Friends, don't just say, okay, I'll pray for you. Stop. Pray. Watch God do the things that he wants to do. And so here's how we're going to close our service. I'm going to invite the band out to lead these last few minutes. And we're going to do something a little different. Uh, you might notice we actually moved mountains for you today um, from the stage to the, to the ground. And in your bulletin, there's a, there's a little piece of paper here. And here's what I want to invite you to do. On this piece of paper, I want you to write down something going on in your heart, your life, your family, some prayer request that you want to give over to God. It may be a mountain moving prayer. It may be something like, I just don't know how you're going to do it. It may literally be, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. But you're going to write that down. We're going to give you about 90 seconds of silence. And then uh, the team here is just going to lead us in our final songs. And during those final songs, uh, we're going to invite you to do two things. Number one, you're going to roll it up like a little scroll. And you're going to walk to the mountain. You'll see there's holes. You're going to stick your prayer in the mountain. And these mountains are going to be up here for the last few weeks of our series. And we're going to, it's just going to be reminders to us that, Lord, we give you these things. We, it, they're, we trust you. We believe you can do something. Uh, my friend Ed, uh, we prayed with him last week. He's fighting cancer. And he said to me, he said, Bill, I love the Lord. I've known him for 50 years. I trust him. But my chemo is not working and I don't really want to go yet. He's in a relationship. He's in love. And I want to keep going if I can. So would you join me? Would you, I believe God can heal me if he wants to. And so would you pray with me? Uh, and, and so uh, he said, I know whatever God has for me, it's good. I'm not afraid to die. And we, we joined with him in a beautiful prayer, asking God, not just for his will, we, we asked for healing. And so I, I want you to know this, at the, as, we, as you bring these requests, don't be afraid to ask of God. And, and uh, as we sing, Mitchell will invite you to stand. You can come here in the front row. Pastor Ken will be up here and I'll be on this side. And we have some leaders in our church that will be up here in the corners and up in the front. If you need healing, we will pray for healing. We will anoint you with oil. As the as scripture said, the, 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 there's nothing magical. So any of you who sell essential oils, we're not in the market for them. Um, the, the power of the oil is this. It's a sign of consecration. It's a sign of setting someone apart for God. 
and saying, God, this person is yours. And we ask God for healing. We ask God for a miracle. Uh, If you uh, maybe have been strained from God, or maybe you've been coming here, but you've never given your life to God. You've never given your life to Jesus. I'll be here in the front and Ken will be here in the front. And we will pray. If you want to receive Christ today and begin following him, we'll pray with you. If you've been wandering away, you've been away from your relationship with Christ, you just want to recommit. Put your scroll in, put your little prayer scroll in, and then come up and let us pray for you. Let someone pray for you. But we're going to end our service just by praying together, singing together, and giving our prayer requests to God. So take a moment, write those things down. In a moment, uh, Mitch will lead us in these final songs and have you come. And if you need someone to pray, come. Come pray with us.